Let me pray as you sit down. Father, thank you for such glorious words of truth that we can sing to each other and indeed sing to you. Thank you. You delight in those who worship you. And Lord, thank you that we know that through the troubles, uh, just as a result of sin that is in this life, you are like a lighthouse. That Jesus is that light of the world. And he shows us the way of hope, the way of glory, to bring us home safely to be with you forever in glory. And thank you, Lord, that on that journey, you are like a shepherd. You look after us. You defeat those threats with your, your kind of rod. You comfort us and, and guide us with your staff, as it were. Lord, that we can just trust in you and know that you are there with us always. We give you praise and thanks. Amen. Amen. Thanks. What a wonderful truth to be reminded of this morning. God's faithfulness to us. And our response is just to trust and to follow him. We're going to turn to our Bibles now. So Revelation chapter 2, if you've got a Bible in front of you. Uh, If you haven't, um, wave to someone at the back. I don't know who's going to bring one to you. Um, Maybe it's it's Steve, I don't know. Or maybe it's Peter. Um, We've got a bunch of church Bibles. Uh, Revelation chapter 2, the last book of the Bible. If you need one, if you left yours at home, or it's easier instead of sharing... Just grab one, it's fine. Uh, Revelation chapter 2. Just while you're digging that out, let me give you a little bit of context. Um, And then I'm going to need a lot of help, especially from Team Sunday School. Okay, in a minute. Okay, Uh, so if you've been away over the summer, you've been in and out of holidays, that's certainly true for me. We've been going through kind of the first few chapters of the book of Revelation, which essentially are seven letters that Jesus authors and writes to his church, seven historical churches, but really that represents the whole church, including us here in Tilehurst. And uh, that letter, each letter is built out of this glorious vision of Jesus that we have. And really they're written to exhort us to stand strong, keep believing in the gospel, stand strong in that, hold firm in that. They encourage us away from compromising and false teaching, from things that might stop us from trusting in Jesus. But the promise to us, if we keep going, we will overcome and there will be glorious victory and peace uh, in, in glory with God forever. We will overcome and then there is this glorious victory for those who keep going to the end. And so today we're looking at the fourth letter which is a letter to a church in a place called Thyatira. And I will read it, uh, and then we'll have a little bit of a a kind of a flow through. What does it mean? I need some help from Sunday school. We're going to have some drama, um, and we'll have some whiteboard stuff. So hopefully it will be kind of engaging for all. Uh, We'll see how we go. But it says this. So Revelation chapter 2 and verse 18. uh, It says, To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. That's like glowing, really hard bronze. 
I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teachings, she misleads my servant into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent, to turn away from her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will, as I, that's Jesus, I will cast her on a bed of suffering and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent, they turn away of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now, I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learnt Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on, hold on to what you have, that is the gospel, until I come. Then a glorious hope. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one, the one that overcomes and is victorious, will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I, that's Jesus, has received authority from my father, I will also give that one, the one who overcomes, that's Christian, the morning star. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let me pray briefly. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that this morning... Uh, we know that you will be speaking to us from it, that it is uh, the word uh, combined with the power of the Holy Spirit, which changes hearts and minds. Lord, speak to us this morning, wherever we're at. Maybe we've had a great week. Maybe we are just struggling. I'm sure there's people across that whole spectrum. Remind us of the glory of Jesus and help us as we look through this now to stand firm in the gospel. Amen. 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 Fantastic. So, Revelation 2, chapter 18, starts with this kind of glorious picture of Jesus. And he's got eyes like blazing fire and kind of feet like kind of glowing, burnished bronze as if they've been in a furnace. Right, here's a question. It's not really a test. Um, to team Sunday school. Okay. Can you think of any other story in the Bible that might have something to do with blazing fire or maybe a furnace that might make bronze glow and be really hot? Anyone think of any other story in the Bible? So Jess has got an idea, just hold on to it. You got, Zach might have an idea. Anyone else got any ideas? Another story in the Bible. We might have grown-ups that have to help us. Should we let Jesse? You've got an idea. Let's have it. Moses and the Russian fire. That is right. That is a great example, isn't it? Brilliant. Fantastic. That's not what I had in mind. So let's keep going until someone guesses my answer. But Jesse, brilliant. It's great, isn't it? To connect all these pictures there that God revealed himself to Moses 
as this burning, glorious fire. Are there any other examples in the Bible where someone can think of a, a burning fire, maybe in a furnace? Oh, Rowan's got an idea. Prophets of Baal. Cool. Yeah, that when. Yeah, exactly. Elijah. He had this, he was kind of like having a battle, wasn't he? With these false prophets. And who was going to be the winner? Was it going to be this fake god Baal? Or would it be the real god? And God sent us down fire. Doesn't he? Blazing fire to destroy this altar and show that he, God, is the only true God. That's a really important point. So God can reveal himself in fire. God is the only true God. That's what we've learnt this morning already. And it's not even what I had in mind. Fantastic. <laughs> Zach, have you got it? What are you going to say? Daniel and the lines. Daniel and the... Lines. Close Daniel and the lines, then. <laughs> Go back a chapter. Narrowing in. Go on, Jesse. The fiery furnace. That's right, but it's in, the, in Daniel, isn't it? A fiery furnace. When I was reading... This bit in Revelation, with kind of glowing fire, uh, and this kind of bronze that's glowing, but it's been a little bit hot up, and it made me think of Daniel chapter 3, where we get a story about a fiery furnace. So I, and actually, I realised that Daniel chapter 3, the fiery furnace, actually teaches us all of the lessons in this book, or uh, this letter to Thyatira. So I thought... If we acted out the story of Daniel chapter 3, Team Sunday School, get ready, I need some help. That will really help us all, especially the grown-ups, know what Revelation chapter 2 is about. So anyone want to come and help me? Come and help me be part of Daniel chapter 3. I need some help. I need some king. I need a king. You want to be the king? King's a baddie. And I need some people, some helpers. I need some officials. If you want to come up, just come up. Just come up and help me. Come on, Zeph. Just come up. If you want to come and help, I need some help. I need some help. I need... Oh, we've got a Zeph. Anybody else want to come and help me? <gasps> Fantastic. Welcome. Come up. Come up. Brilliant. Fantastic. Oh, we've got a good little amateur dramatics kind of show here. Fantastic. Okay. So, we're going to do... We're going to act out, okay, the story... Of Daniel chapter 3. Feel free to flick to it if you want in your Bibles. And this is going to really, really help us. Okay, so let me turn to it in my Bible. Okay, right. I need a little sip of coffee. I don't even know where that's gone. Water's just as good. So, okay. In Daniel, in Daniel chapter 3, okay, it says this. Listening, it says... King Nebuchadnezzar made a, a massive statue made of gold. And it was 27 metres high. And it was three metres wide. And it was a statue of himself. Okay. So we need a king. So, okay, Je- Jesse, come and be the king. Okay, you need a king. Right, your first mission. I need, to, I need you to go and find someone who's quite tall and looks... A bit scary and mean. Who's going to find the scariest, meanest, tallest person you can find? Go! (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Will! Come on, Will! 
Okay, there we go. I think Will's got quite a nice demeanour. But Will is going to be your statue. Okay, look at this. Why don't you come and stand over here, Will? Fantastic. You need to look uh, Thank you, by the way. That's okay. You can sit and stand there. You don't have to do anything other than stand there. Okay, so, Kim Nebuchadnezzar, he's actually a really selfish, God-hating king. Okay. So he built a massive statue of himself. A little bit of similarity, maybe, there. Especially the beard. Um... And he said, he built, he built a king and he said, right, he built a statue. And then he said, right, I want everybody in the whole world, the whole kingdom, that's you lot over there, okay? <laughs> he wants all of you lot to worship him. That means he wants all of you lot to think and to act as if he is the most important thing in the whole wide world. Okay, and to show that, you have to kind of bow down to his statue. Okay. So, um, is that okay? That, that's what he said? Yeah, why don't you go and stand next to your statue? Just there we go. Fantastic. Cool. Um, right. And so this guy got some of his helpers to do that. So let's have... Who wants to be one of the king's helpers? Zeph. Yeah, I need a Zeph. And who else wants to be a king a helper? Yeah, you three. You three. You be the king's helpers. Right, what you've got to do, you've got to walk around the room and you've got to tell people, worship the statue, then you can do that. Walk around and tell people, you've got to tell all those people, point, and t- point to the statue and tell them they have to worship the statue. I'll come with you, I'll come with you. Worship the statue, guys. You have to worship the statue. Go and tell them. Tell everybody, tell everybody, worship that statue. Oh, nice one, Dad. That's it. Okay, right, there we go. But there was a special instruction. Jeff, that is brilliant, thank you. Come and stand back over here if you want. Thanks, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, but there was a special instruction. They would only worship the statue when the music played. Okay, so when the music played, we won't actually do it because that would feel a bit weird. Right, but. The beautiful music. So when all the people heard the brilliant music, they, all, they would all have to come and worship this statue to show that they thought the king was the best. There was no one better than the king in the whole wide world, not even God. That's what, because he, he didn't like God. Okay, but there were three other people. Okay, so we've got four people left, I think, because Noah's going to come in at the end. Okay. Uh, so Zach, I think, as Rob and uh, Ellie, you come over here. Okay, but there were, if you guys just stand there for a sec. So that, but there were three people in the kingdom, and their names were a bit complicated. One was called Meshach. Anyone here called Meshach? If there is, that's awesome, by the way. I say that, I'm not expecting it. Uh, there's also uh, a Meshach. So there's a Meshach, there's a Shadrach, and, and, a guy, and, a, and a Bednego. Okay, and you guys, you know, you were some of the king's rulers across the land. Okay, so Ellie, why don't you go over, stand over there a little bit. You go and stand over there a little bit. You go and stand over there a little bit. Okay, stand next to the people that you're in charge of. Okay, there we go. So they were some of Kim Nebuchadnezzar's best helpers in the land. Okay, but you know what, guys? Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they 
loved God. They were some of God's people. And although they were now living in a different country, not in Israel, in a place called Babylon, they loved and worshipped God. Okay. Right. Okay, now we need, now we need another baddie. Uh, Noah, do you want to come and be a baddie? Okay. I feel this is this feels a bit harsh, isn't it? There we go. There we go. He's got his like army jeep, exactly. So one day, one day, one day, one of uh, kind of another one of the king's helpers came up to the king, and he said, "Hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, did you know that Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego?" They're not worshipping your statue like you've told everyone to. <laughs> Look how cross the king is. He's livid. Exactly. The king was really cross. Because even though Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they've been kind of booted out of their country, they're in a foreign place, they hadn't forgotten God. They were still worshipping him. And it was so obvious that they were still loving and worshipping God that... Somebody told on them, and it was one of the king's helpers. So the king said, right, get those three in here. So Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego, we've already got one of them next to the statue, which is really handy. So you've got to come in. Come on, guys. He called you in. He called them in. He called them in. Exactly. They're going the long way around. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and King Daniel basically said, look, I've heard that you are not worshipping my statue. <coughs> If you don't bow down to my statue, I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. That's kind of a bit harsh, isn't it? And Meshach and Abednego said this. They said, we trust and believe in God. Maybe he will deliver us from the fire. Maybe he won't. But whatever happens, we know that only God is to be worshipped. Wow. They were just, they, they knew who God was. And they knew that there was no one, no one else that should be worshipped. Not even this king, who built a massive statue. No, it look, must have looked amazing. Can you imagine 30 metres? That's like two houses tall of gold. Just how cool that would have looked. Even, not, not quite as good as, as Will, but nearly as close. <laughs> And they said, no, we are only going to worship God. So King Nebuchadnezzar got so furious, so angry, he, like steam started coming out of his ears, his face was going all red. There we go. Cool, excellent. But he said, get the fire. I said, oh, you're good now. You're good. Get the fire so hot. Okay, the hotter it has ever been. So he got this really hot fire and then he threw in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So you guys come over here. Just come and stand over here. Let's pretend this is the fiery furnace right there. You can stand next to Ellie, okay? Because Ellie is one of your gang. Okay? Okay? Just come and stand here. Fantastic. And now I need one more person to be a helper. Okay? So you guys are your king's helpers. Thank you. We need one more person. It could be a grown-up if no one else wants to do it. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Fantastic. So... Then the king, and indeed probably some of the king's helpers, they peered into the furnace and they didn't see three people. They saw four people. 
Because there was someone in there that looked like a boy, it's told in the Bible, a bit like one of the sons of the gods, a little bit like a, a person, son of man. I think that was probably a pre-incarnate version of Jesus. And it shows us that in the furnace, the fire didn't even touch Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Here's a question. Has anyone ever been near a fire? Anyone ever been near, a little bit near a fire? Oh. Zeph, is the fire hot or cold? Was it um, cold? Fire was cold. Maybe afterwards. Well, actually, fire's pretty hot. Ever been near a bonfire or a, in your bar or a barbecue or a cooker or a fire I've been pit? Near the barbecue. You have, cool. I was the barbecue a bit hot. Or a fireplace. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. Or a fireplace. Exactly. I've got a fireplace at home. Oh, and is it really hot when it gets when it get, when you light it? Oh, okay. Well, let's assume it gets really hot when you like it. Gets really hot, okay. But did you know Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they're in this big fiery furnace, all these massive flames, even bigger than you, and they didn't get burnt. They didn't get burnt at all, not even smell of smoke. And God was with them in this really tricky situation. Because I imagine it was quite hard for Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego to say, no, I'm not going to bow down to this statue. You can throw us in the fiery pit. I imagine that was quite a hard decision. But when that happened, God was with them. And afterwards, so King Nebuchadnezzar peer into the furnace. There he is, he's peering in. And then he says, right, okay, cool, get them out. Get them out of the furnace. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. There we go, get them out of the furnace. There we go. And he said, wow, your God delivered you. And then, remember, these guys and Ellie were already rulers in, in kind of King Nebuchadnezzar's king. You know what you did? You gave them even more rule. You said you could reign over more of my people. Because you were so like, wow, with what a gun. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were now kind of promoted or raised to a place of even more authority over in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Okay, wow. Guys, thank you so much for that. You guys go and sit down. I'm going to write a couple of things up. Okay, so, thank you so much. I think we should have a round of applause for our actors. That would be brilliant. There we go. Um, thank you for helping. Um, I've got to find my notes. Here we go. So, we've learnt this, guys. Here we go. If you can uh, follow along and read, look on the board here. So, we learnt about... Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They were faithfully serving God, weren't they? They were worshipping him and they were serving him, weren't they, faithfully. And when someone said, I think you should serve or worship somebody else, what did they say? No. 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 So, they... They didn't compromise. That's a bit of a tricky word. I'm probably going to misspell it. Um, or you could say they they held firm, didn't they? They held firm. So they were faithfully serving God. And it was so obvious that they were serving God that 
the, the kind of some of the king's helpers could tell and told the king. And when they said, you have to now do something else which isn't worshipping God, even though it feels like a small thing, they held firm. And then, at the end, when they came out of the fiery furnace, can you remember what happened to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? What did the king do to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego? Oh, that's got a hand up. Yeah, after that, what happened, Zach? They didn't get burnt. The king looked in and said, wow, get them out. And then what did the king do? Go on, Jesse. Yeah, that's right. He gave them... I'm going to put authority, just because that's quite a helpful way of putting it. He gave them more authority. That means he put them in charge of more stuff. Okay. And we're going to have a think about that in a minute through the letter of Thyatira. But we're going to have a time now of kind of really reflecting on that point because I'm very mindful uh, that although that fun and kind of like uh, frivolity and kind of acting it out and that stuff, some of us here might feel like we're in a bit of a fiery pit this morning, whether that just be a bad morning, uh, a long-term illness, mental health, the circumstances, work or relationship. But Daniel, and indeed, the whole of Scripture tells us that God is with us. God is with us in our trials. And isn't that brilliant? And that we can trust in him. He's like a rock. He's like a fortress we can cling to. So when we're asked to make that tricky decision, we can say, no, God, I will not be shaken. I will cling to your truth. uh, And I will rest in you alone. That's the kind of the truth that I think Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew. Um, so we're going to pause for a minute uh, and we're going we're gonna to sing a song, which is those verses from Psalm 62, which is, I will never be shaken. I will trust in you alone. You are a rock and a fortress. And then we're going to have a time of prayer, open prayer today. Um, so anyone can pray. It could be a, a 10 second prayer. God, please help this person. Amen. Or it could be a, a slightly longer prayer. Um, pray for uh, those things that are on your heart. Anything. It could just be that nothing, no one else knows it. It's a person you know that no one else does. Pray for them. It could be for our church. Pray for those in our church that uh, need our prayers. Uh, um, I'm not going to give too many prompts. I'll, I'll sort of pray to launch into the time of prayer. Others and give a, a moment, maybe sort of five or ten minutes of time. Um, my ask is, think about what you can pray for as we sing this song. And let's have short gaps between prayers. As soon as someone has finished... Someone else just jump in with another prayer. It's eloquence. It does not matter. Uh, it's just that desire to bring stuff to God, recognize we need him, uh, and lift up each other in our, in our need. Um, you know, maybe, it's a, maybe it could be a, a prayer of thanks and adoration too. Uh, that all counts. Uh, so yeah, feel raised. Please lead us in the song, and then we'll have a time of prayer. We'll spend five minutes... Um, and I mean five minutes, the, like going through those points of Thyatira, uh, really is point, key points of application, because really, I could have preached Daniel 3 or Thyatira, and it would have been the same sermon. Um, look down, if you've got Revelation 2, we're just going to scan through it, and we'll pick out the key applications, which unsurprisingly are already on this board here. And then we're going to have a time of response, uh, of worship, where we're going to be thinking about that glorious reign, where we will reign with Jesus. On that time, on that morning, 
if it were, when we wake up in glory. So, now the first point in verse 19, Jesus, or 18 and 19, we see he's got these eyes of burning fire. That's actually kind of really explained uh, in verse 23. I am he who searches hearts and minds. He is the God who sees everything. There is nothing that is hidden from his sight. He can see into hearts. Now, this is a, a, a word from that original vision in, in chapter 1, where we see this glorious picture of Christ. And here, Jesus is saying, I know, I see. And what is it he's seeing? Well, verse 19, he's seeing the deeds of the church in Thyatira. He's seeing the deeds that are coming from their love and their faith. They're not just kind of empty deeds where they're trying to earn their salvation or to make themselves good enough. No, they are coming from a place of love for Christ. Coming from a place of response to their faith and trust in him. So they are wanting to serve and to persevere. Just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And really the application therefore to us this morning is to keep on going. To keep on serving. That doesn't mean that we have to start out on one rotor and end up on 20 rotors so that we're doing more than we first did. That, that's not it. But it's that, that love and that faith in Christ that should keep welling up in us as we go through our life. And how that looks in our deeds may change, but that love for Christ and that being the well of our service, that being the well of our perseverance, keeping going, whether it, whether it is hard or not, is really what we need to persevere in. I could refer back to the church in Ephesus, if you were here for that one, where they had lost their first love. They'd forgotten to love Jesus, and therefore their, their works and their service was diminishing. And Jesus says to them, don't forget that first love. Here, the Thyatirans are being commended that they are still loving, they're still trusting, and that is showing itself in, its, in their service and deeds. Christchurch, keep loving and trusting Jesus. And in the gifts that God has given you, in the circumstances he has placed you, serve him. Whether that be just praying, whether that be being on lots of rotors, whether it be visiting people, whether it be doing something visible in public or something hidden from sight, know that the God sees your love, sees your faith, sees your deeds, and will reward you in heaven because of that. That is glorious. Keep faithfully serving. Secondly, don't compromise. In the church in Thyatira, uh, whether it was an actual woman or probably a group of false teachers, uh, there was some false teaching that was going on that was causing people to, to kind of do things that aren't in keeping within their Christian life. You know, we're told uh, there's this woman Jezebel, she's misleading, my servant's misleading the church, into, we're told, sexual immorality, eating food, sacrificed to idols, things that are unhelpful, things that, that, that we're told not to do. And it, that's generally just, a, you know, let's just assume there's false teaching. It's causing people to forget loving Christ, to not follow him, to not live in a life worthy of the gospel that has saved them. Uh, Jezebel, by illustrating uh, what that means, was a, um, a wife of a king in the Old Testament, a king of Israel called Ahab. And she caused the king to do untold evil, horrendous acts of evil. And so John, the writer, is using that illustration saying, there's false teaching in this church. And she's causing some of you in the church to do acts of evil. 
to do the so-called secrets of Satan, that he'll go on to say. No. And actually, in the grace of God, he is giving those people and those who follow him time to repent, isn't he? If you look down in that passage, unless they repent, she has not yet repented. In God's grace, he is giving time for these false teachers to turn back to him. But if they don't, then that judgment, that condemnation will result in for, to them, for them, because they're acting as if they're unbelievers, right? And are causing people to go astray. I, I don't think, maybe this is not true, that we have a massive risk of false teaching in Christchurch Tarhurst. But I'm sure there are things that we're apathetic to, where we think, oh, mate, I don't, if I just do that little thing, it won't matter that much. I know I'm guilty of that. You know, our, our, our culture, our circumstance is maybe drawing us away. What voices do you listen to during the week? Is it the Lord? Is it the Bible? Is it the world? Surely it won't matter if you do this little sin over here. Actually, it does. Your faith and your love serve of Jesus. Make, serve him, love him. Don't listen to voices that will make you compromise in your theology or make you think that the, the gospel isn't true or you need something more than Jesus. Don't let it compromise your Christian living that indeed you compromise in your relationships, in your actions. And then finally, we're going to get down to, I guess, kind of 24 to the end. He says, now to the rest of you, not everyone in Thyatira was giving into this full teaching. He says, for those that aren't, hold on to what you have. Just hold on to Jesus. Hold on to your faith in him. Hold on to that hope. Because I am coming. Hold on to it until I come. And when I come, what? Verse 26, the one who is victorious, the one who holds on, the one who does my will to the end, indeed keeps serving and persevering out of their love and faith for Christ, I will give them authority over the nations. And that's incredible, right? We know that Jesus is in the highest place, right? We're told that in scripture. We will be there with him. Reigning with him, for we are brothers and sisters, co-heirs with Christ. We will not become God or like God, but we will be kind of with Jesus, reigning with him over the nations. Reigning in, in some way, whatever that looks like, I don't really know. But we will have authority to judge, authority to reign with Jesus. And that is glorious, right? Right now, it might feel... Like other things in your life are reigning over you. That is true. You know, maybe, it's, maybe it's death. Maybe it's a prospect of that. That great last enemy. Maybe it's other things, other challenges might feel like they're reigning over you. But one day, you will be lifted up to reign over all with Jesus. And that is glorious. We will reign with him. And he, you know, he will give us that morning star. We're told at the end of Revelation... Um, actually, I'll read it in uh, Revelation 22, uh, right at the very end of the Bible, talking about kind of Jesus's kind of end rule. 22 verse 16 says this. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testament to the churches. It's kind of a summary at the end of the book. 
I am the root and offspring of David, and I am the bright morning star. Really, it's an allusion to the dawning of his true and perfect messianic kingly reign over all forever. And he will bring us in to be a part of that. Yes, there was a glorious first morning when Christ rose from the dead. But there will be, in a sense, an even more glorious first, second first morning when all bad and sad is taken away. And we will be with Christ as we are meant to be, without sin, without evil. That will be gone and we will be reigning with him over everything that now seems big. We will be judge and authority over that. So over, don't compromise. Keep faithfully holding on to the gospel and serve him. Hold firm. Because he will give us authority over those things that feel big now. Amen. <laughs>